Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I got a big event. Ooh, what is the event? My daughter turned 16. Oh my goodness. My oldest daughter. Uh, that's a big deal, but the reason I say event, I know we've talked about it many times, but do you know what happened 16 years ago today? What? Well, I guess throughout the weekend, it was more of like a two-week event for most people. It was the ice storm. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And so I was telling my little one about that, or she's not little anymore, my my larger, medium-sized daughter, I guess is how I should put it, of all the things and how that changed a lot of folks' mindset. And I can't believe it was 16 years ago, but it was. And definitely shifted things in my world as far as what I do, how I do it, why I do it. It really kind of kicked off my preparedness kind of mindset, if you will. Um, I know I've asked a hundred times. You were probably fairly young. Do you remember much of the ice storm? I, yes, I do. So we ended up having to kind of hang out in our kitchen mm-hmm. area. That's the center of the house. And we yep. had a kerosene heater. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we weren't out of uh, power for too terribly long. Mm-hmm. I think maybe two or three days. We had Southwest Electric. Uh They're fantastic. Excellent. And uh, we had radio. In Mm -hmm. fact, the only radio station that we could get was KSGF. Ah, that's awesome. Fun fact, that's actually how we started listening to KSGF. So it's kind of been a household staple Mm -hmm. uh, in our our home for quite some time now. But yeah, we just had blankets and um, like a little air mattress. Mm -hmm. We just hung out in the kitchen with our kerosene heater, and we definitely became prepared after that. Yes, much different mindset going post-ice storm versus pre-ice storm. It uh, was quite a deal. The roads never really got real bad, at least that I can remember. But, you know, of course, everything else had ice covered. And we were out of power 11 days. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Had a generator, thankfully. But even obtaining fuel for the generator was a very difficult thing. Um, we were able to keep up and running. It was very expensive, and to feed the generator really gave me a big idea of what how much cheaper electricity was than the generator. And then just, you know, fixing all the broken pipes and all the stuff afterwards, it was quite an event for us. But, you know, here the last week or so, we really kind of got a slap in the face with cold you know, I won't say icy conditions, but it was slick or at some points in time throughout the last week. And, you know, I'm very thankful kind of how I have evolved from then. And, and a lot of people that I know that went through that, you know, taking better care of the vehicle, tires on the truck, making sure plenty of propane in the tank, making sure you have a backup power source, making sure the backup power source hasn't been sitting for the last 16 years and the fuel system's all gummed up and the generator won't start. So I, I fired up all of our generators before all this happened to make sure they're in good shape, good fuel treatment and stability in the fuel system of both of our generators because one is none and two is one and three is where I want to be. So make sure we've got some redundancies and are better prepared than we once were. And I hope there's a lot of you out there in that same boat. So if you do have a generator or some kind of backup power source, you need to make sure that you're starting it every once in a while, keeping the fuel system clean. Uh, If you are storing fuel in there, it needs to have a good additive in there. And I wouldn't say that I'm a big additive guy, but when it comes to today's fuels, they're not what they were 
you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. The fuel shelf life was much, much better back then than it is now because of the ethanol introduction to our fuels. And they do not hold up near as well as they did years ago where you could store gasoline a year or season. Now about 30 days is really all you should be storing gasoline without some kind of a good additive. And then you still have to um, basically make sure and use or cycle that fuel, you know, in and out. If you get it in a situation that it won't start, a lot of times draining the fuel, taking the carburetor apart, cleaning the orifices inside the carburetor is what it comes down to. And I'll tell you, I'm keeping it absolutely real. A lot of times we don't do that until we need the backup power or we need the, you know, uh, to get us out of a situation that, you know, we don't want to be in, which is, you know, not in power, whether it's lighting or, you know, you have medical equipment that you need to make sure is powered. Anybody that's got the, the backup home generator systems, they typically exercise those about every 30 days running on propane or natural gas. So very much be proactive as we come into it. Now it gets a little more mild. So if you haven't done it already, let this uh, little cold snap really get your attention. And when it does warm up and it is a little more mild, make sure you're kind of doing some of those proactive steps and letting them run, changing the oil in it, you know, making sure that those systems are up to operation and in good shape. I know, uh, I I never lived around the New York area, uh, but this last week, obviously, they had quite a bit of folks out of power, very cold, frigid temperatures, along with plenty of snow and lake effect snow. If you've never experienced lake effect snow, it's a whole nother ballgame versus, you know, just standard snow that we get here. Um, My point being is make sure you're ready. You know, there's going to be times, you know, we live in, I want to say, kind of a spoiled world at this point where, you know, typically you pull the light switch or, you know, turn the heat on and it works. Well, when it doesn't, you had better be prepared. And that's really what uh, the end of um, 2006 into 2007 really taught me. Now we're coming up on, you know, another season of, of, you know, pretty good wintry weather out there. So we want to be in good shape. And those are essentially my lessons that I learned. I want to make sure I've got enough fuel on hand most of the time. It's good quality fuel. My systems have some redundancies to them or some backups. And I always think that that is money and time well spent. It's a little bit of what I consider living insurance, you know, versus, you know, trying to protect yourself when something does go bad. That's important, too. But I want to make sure that I'm keeping things running. You know, the amount of broken and frozen pipes when we did have that last ice storm that I had to deal with. I mean, that was quite an undertaking just getting our systems back going in our personal residence, let alone, you know, business and, and everything else that goes along with it. So be very proactive, especially as we kind of get an ease on the temperatures and it's a little warmer out there. You know, if there's things that you know you should be doing, and I'm as bad as anybody out there, I'm not trying to uh, speak from a, a pulpit up here that, oh, I'm holier than thou by any means. These are lessons that I've had to unfortunately learn several times over the years and try and make sure that I'm a better steward of those. So don't put off some of that stuff that, you know, if you can do it today, do it today. Don't put it off until tomorrow because nobody wants to have to deal with that. As well as, you know, I can remember back then when we did have the ice storm, there were 
tractor trailer truck showing up here in Springfield full of generators that they were getting, I mean, double and triple the price for for some of these even cheap overseas made generators that weren't they weren't even what I would consider a very good high quality generator. They're, you know, a disposable one at best. And they were getting buku bucks and people were paying for them and people were stealing them. I mean, it was just absolutely madness. What I don't want to be when this situation arises again, because if we learn nothing from history, it often repeats itself or, you know, occasionally it rhymes, which basically means we're going to experience this at some point in time again. And I do not want to put myself in the same situation where I'm waiting in line, which I didn't wait in line at that point in time. I did have a good working generator. But I don't want to ever have to expose myself to that risk. And that's really what it comes down to. Whether we're talking about automotive repair, we're talking about redundancies and backups, um, it's always cheaper to prepare yourself for those situations or you know, do some preventatives than it is to be in that bind and be backed in a corner and have to make a very hasty decision, essentially. You know, so when it comes down to a lot of that stuff, and, and I procrastinate too, so please don't think that I've got this all worked out and it's grease lightning. It's, it, it is what it is. These are lessons that I had to pay for sometimes, you know, uh, physically or, or just in, in, in stress. And if I can get on the front side of that stuff and you can do that as well, you will be much better off than 95% of everybody else out there that's just, you know, kind of like that uh, garbage sack blown in the wind that wherever a good gust blows them, they're, they're, you know, off to the next thing. Be very proactive. Be intentional at that. You know, if it gets in a situation, um, and I have this discussion quite often with folks, that we can maintain your car versus repair your car. You're going to be 10 times ahead of the eight ball, and a lot of times you're not in a situation where you have those huge, large, unexpected repairs that paint you in the corner. And that's really kind of a mindset change. I realize this is an automotive, you know, kind of discussion, or it's supposed to be, but it's really a mindset of, hey, do you take care of what you have, or do you just use and abuse it until it's broke, and then you got to go pick up another one? Well, in today's day and age, it's not all that easy, A, to pick up another one, and B, you're going to pay for it. And my goodness, that stuff's expensive. Um, I've got a good buddy of mine. Him and two other of his buddies bought the same truck the same year. And the other two have put transmissions in those trucks. But the good buddy of mine who's taking care of it, that transmission's still going strong, has plenty of use. He's pulling campers and trailers and all kinds of stuff with it, and it's still doing its job. So a little bit of love and care on the front side or a little bit of proactive uh, intent on the front side is way better than the person that I'm having to sit down with in the waiting room and say, hey, you know, this thing is well past its ability to be serviced or maintenanced or, you know, even to get you by for a little while, you have a catastrophic failure and it's time for you to make a very sometimes expensive financial decision. And I don't want to make that a fear tactic, if you will, but it's really kind of the decision that you made a long time ago, but today is the day you have to pay the pipers. So we're going to step into a break. We're going to talk about the repo market when we come back after the break. Your complete car care solution. 
Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. A little ounce of prevention is a pound of cure. If you can't, if I wasn't subtle or if I was too subtle and that didn't come through, uh, I want you guys to be in good shape. That's my mindset every time I work on one of your cars or one of our folks. Um, there's times where we present a total picture of your vehicle and it can be a little overwhelming. I get that. And I don't do it. My intent is not to scare somebody into doing anything. If you understand your car the way I do or the way we do as a company, then you can make the best informed decision. That's my mindset behind it. Um, Sarah, I know you have uh, gotten some of our health reports over the years. Yes. And we try and do our level best to make you a part of the repair. But I know at different times that sometimes it's a lot of information. You're like, oh, my God. Is my car worth fixing? Is it, you know, I just came in for, you know, flat tire or brakes or whatever. And we're like, hey, you got all this stuff going on. Um, There are different business models out there. You know, some folks just fix what the person showed up for. But I don't, and I've had to learn this lesson over the years, and I'll give you a quick story. Um, I did, actually, I wasn't the technician that did it. I was managing one of our locations And we didn't do the digital inspection and the health check like we do now, which allows us to photo and video and document the condition of your vehicle and then send it to you in a text or an email. So this was many years ago. This was probably 15 or 16 years ago now. One of the texts did, I don't even remember what it was, some brake work if I remember right. And the lady left and she barely got out of the parking lot and she got pulled over. I could see her. Oh, my goodness. And I'm sure she was like, really? What's going on? Which, thankfully, our uh, very awesome folks, our uh, policemen in Republic, let her off with a warning. But essentially, she had a brake light out. That's why mm-hmm. she got pulled over. So wasn't such a big deal. But she came back. She's like, hey, did you guys check my lights? Well, years ago, that wasn't part of our process. We brought it in. You wanted brakes. So we took care of the brakes. Arguably, you could have said, hey, you know, brake lights is part of the brakes. But... She was grinding. There was no more brake pad left. So we fixed her concern and sent her on about her way. But I never forgot that discussion with her. Like, hey, why didn't you guys check the brake lights? I just got pulled over. They let her off with a with a warning. We were able to put a bulb in there and, and you know, take care of her. Um, but that's really what got us shifted into being a little more proactive and making the customer a part of that. So we run the lights on most services that we do, along with a standard health check. And if you have any questions about that, you can see one of our locations. They can answer any questions for you. But it allows us to, you know, make the customer as far as like checking their vitals. When you go into the doctor, no matter why you're there, you know, they want height, weight, they want blood pressure, they want pulse. You guys have all been through the the rigmarole of that. Essentially, that's what we do as a company to give you a good baseline because I don't want you fixing your brakes if your tire's about to fall off or, you know, fix your tire if your brakes are grinding. Or in this case, we do some service, you drive away and you have a brake light out. So that's part of our way for you to have hopefully a a total picture before you decide to fix or not fix anything. And I think that's really important as far as from my side of it, whenever I'm dealing with a company that is not obviously my specialty, I really need a good total picture of this 
this is what's going on, this is what's needed, this is what it's going to cost before I make a decision. Because my biggest concern is that we bring a car in and we fix whatever the main concern is. And then they drive away for a short distance and they have another failure. That doesn't do me any good or you any good as the consumer. Sarah, does that make any sense at all? Absolutely. And I I really do love your guys' digital inspection. It really does help me as somebody who takes my vehicle in who Mm -hmm. isn't a mechanic that isn't like, oh, I need to have this checked and this checked and this checked. It gives me kind of that insight of, hey, you do have this coming up and you need to get this fixed or, hey, we need to watch this or you're good to go on all of these things. Mm -hmm. It really is helpful. And, you know, for most folks, once we... The very first time we see most people or or see the car for the first couple of times, typically it is a bigger volume of things that we present and say, hey, this is the condition of your car right now. And then as we go through, a lot of it really is just documentation that, hey, this stuff's in good shape now. You know, we've taken care of X, Y, Z. Your fluids are in good shape. Now we can get more of on a a maintenance uh, mindset or cycle than you know, hey, everything's broken every time you come into the shop. And I hate that for folks. I mean, I love fixing and repairing cars. That's kind of my forever thing that I have always wanted to do. And I think even at some day way down the road when I retire, I'm probably still going to be doing something along those lines because I truly do enjoy it. It's not necessarily, you know, a job. It's it's not a labor. It's It truly is what I love to do. And I'm very thankful to be a part of so many folks. But usually in the beginning, there's this big like, hey, this is all that's going on. And then we work through a lot of that stuff. And then we just get into the maintenance of those systems. But I did tell everybody we were going to talk about the repo market. Oh, yes. And I probably should do that since that is what I said we were going to talk about today before I got down on that rabbit trail. But I think it's important. But the repo side of the world is really starting to ramp up. And I was having a discussion with uh, one of my technicians. Um, you know, Carvana, I think, is having mm-hmm. some financial struggles. I'm going to assume if they haven't already um, started the bankruptcy process. Carvana, and I know we've talked about this a little bit, and I'm not picking on them by no means. We actually sold them a car, but they paid way more than anybody else would have given us for that car. And I had checked. Um, I had some offers for like thirteen to fourteen thousand for a uh, sixteen GMC Arcadia, and they offered like a little over eighteen. Now this is many months ago when the car market was just on fire, and their thought process was to buy up all the used cars and corner the market, and so they intentionally were overpaying for a lot of these cars. Well, as you well know, the market is swinging at this point, and. The inflation is starting to get a handle on things as they raise the, um, oh, what a, the interest rate uh, for everybody. It's affecting hundreds and thousands of dollars a month a year for folks buying cars. So and homes and everything else that you can go in between there. So it's going to be much much more difficult to obtain and get a new car. So what what do you think that that means? You think there's deals coming? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's going to be a a big, big thing, as well as the new car manufacturers are still struggling to make and get product here into the States for everybody to buy. And it's still high as a cat's back out there. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, I want a new pickup so bad I I can taste it. But the one I want without a diezel, and this is not a diezel, it's $73,000 to $75,000. 
You're right. And then to tack on probably what, anywhere if my credit's in decent shape, 5 to 8%, if not more, interest rate, depending on how long I wait. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. That'll be a hundred plus thousand dollar truck by the time I get it paid off. And the trucks I got are doing their job. They're, you know, they just don't have all the nice bells and whistles. Do you know what the main thing that I want options wise? What? Take a guess. Anything? I I have no idea. I want the massaging seats. (laughs) And I know that's silly. There's some of you out there probably thinking, oh my goodness. But I do a lot of driving. Mm Mm-hmm. And anybody that's done a lot of driving out there, you know, the heated seats are nice. Makes your back feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, the air-conditioned seats, they always make me feel like I wet my pants. I don't know if you've ever sat in (laughs) air-conditioned seats, but it's a little bit of a different uh, feeling. It's like, whoa, I don't know about that. Now, I rode in a new Jeep. um, It was probably a couple months ago, like 2023. Yeah. And it had a heating steering wheel. I've heard about that. And it was nice, especially with the colder weather. I have not test drove or experienced any of those as of yet. You know, we work on a lot of cars, so... I uh, I get to see and troubleshoot that stuff. I have not troubleshooted or, you know, done any work with a heated steering wheel yet. Yeah, it was nice. That would be awesome. I You know, there's a lot of times where I'm pulling a trailer, which is part of the reason why I got to have such a truck, is because gross vehicle weight rating and towing capacity right. is important to me. But there's times when I'm booming these, you know, broken everything that I buy because I can't buy anything that's not broken down on the trailer, especially when it's real cold and you're dealing with metal chains and metal boomers and binders. And, you know, it's the winds blowing like crazy and your feet are cold, your hands are cold. It would be so awesome to get into a truck with a heated steering yeah. wheel. That would be pretty cool. I'll have to make sure that's on my list. <laughs> yeah. But, it's probably another two, three hundred dollar upgrade. You know, but once you're that far, right? Yeah, you, you might as well. <laughs> and, and the other thing that I've noticed, and I always thought when I was younger, a like who needs all those bells and whistles? And I'm, now that I'm old, I'm like, well, I do. I, I need those bells and whistles. Uh, but you get the money back on the resale of the truck, so it's just kind of an investment for a short while. But we're down at the bottom of the hour. We're going to pick up the repo discussion when we come back after the break. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, you and Ryan are in pretty good shape vehicle-wise. You guys made some big, I'd say leap forwards. Yeah, don't jinx it. No, okay, fair (laughs) fair enough. But I do want to ask you, so we had your car in for some extended warranty work. Yes. So tell me about that. What was your, like, experience with that? So I was a little nervous. I never used an extended warranty before. Mm -hmm. I know that we've talked about them and how big of a pain that they can be. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't purchase it. It it was something that came with my vehicle. You know, one of those things where you have it for seven years or Mm -hmm. X amount of miles things. So thankfully, it was something that was covered with the extended warranty. You guys did all of the fighting for me, Mm -hmm. which was awesome. And I mean, you guys got it in. Uh, You took a look at it to see exactly what part you needed Mm -hmm. to order. And about two days later, I got a call saying, hey, the part came in and we've dealt with the the warranty people. I had a small deductible and Mm -hmm. uh, paid that off to you guys. And you guys got it all fixed. And it's working perfect. So that's how it's supposed to work. It was really nice. (laughs) I know that some people don't have that experience. Well, and it depends really on the extended warranty company that you get. Mm -hmm. As well as, you know, some of those folks are paying several thousand dollars for those extended warranties. So if they supply it with the car, great. Take as much advantage as possible. If you're purchasing it in addition, that's okay too. 
I personally would call one of our stores. It doesn't have to be our stores. If you have a shop that uh, uh, you deal with, you know, and have a great relationship, call them and tell them what extended warranty company that it is. There are a whole bunch of them out there, and I'm not going to say they're going to know everyone out there. But when I talk to Annie or Kevin or Macy, David, Gunner or Mike, they know almost immediately whenever it says what extended warranty company it is of whether they're going to be a real pain in the butt and not want to fix things or not want to fix things to our standard. And they know which ones to stay away from. So if I was in the used car market right now and I was going to buy an extended warranty, before I chose to get into that extended warranty, I would call somebody who deals with it. And to your instance, uh, you know, whether it was Annie or Kevin, they were your ambassador, if you will. They kind of did the back and forth with the extended warranty company, if if I understand that right. Yeah, and I'm so glad that they did because that it's so stressful whenever something goes wrong with your mm -hmm. vehicle. I felt a little bit better that I had that extended warranty. Sure. But then just having to fight, I feel like everything in life, mm -hmm. it's especially as an adult, I don't want to sound gloom and doom, yeah. but you know, things are just so difficult and sometimes yeah. they are more difficult than they need to be. Nothing is simple anymore. Oh, yeah. And so uh, that was very simple Good. for me. So it was... Uh, breath of fresh air. Well, and for our advisors on that, they do that on a daily basis. So they don't, I don't want to say they don't have an unknown, but they're familiar with mm -hmm. it. Instead of you having to, you know, it seems like everybody wants to sell you an extended warranty. I was buying something goofy at Harbor Freight the other day that I needed. And they're like, oh, you know, for three ninety nine, dollars extended right. warranty. And I'm like, look, the hassle and the pain in the butt <laughs> to deal with that. If I break it, which I'm probably gonna, um, I'll just have to reap the the repercussions of right. that. Right. Yeah, I bought a uh, a wireless mouse, and uh -huh. they wanted to sell me like an eight dollar yeah. warranty, and I'm like, that's almost as much as the mouse. No, thank you. Yeah, and you know, going through the red tape of getting the warranty done, I'm just like, man, this is such a pain in the rear. I don't even want to deal with that. I'll just I'll bite the bullet and I'll buy another one or I'll buy a better one the next time. You know, the old adage, "Buy once, cry once." Uh, is something that rings in my head quite often because, and, and I'm not throwing stones at Harbor Freight. There are certain things there that, you know, are, are good quality for a good, reasonable price. But I uh, I am at the point in my life now that I value the quality of something so much more than just how much it costs, I guess. And so not that money is no object. I work for a living just like everybody else out there, but I also want to depend on the satisfaction of the job that I'm doing and how well it performs. A lot of times it is your skill set, and that's very important. There's no replacement for that. But I sure don't want to struggle bus through whatever the project is because I bought an inferior piece of equipment or tool or whatever it is and tear it up and then be, you know, like, oh, well, this should be taken care of. Well, maybe you should have bought the right tool for the right job. But I digress. We're getting off on a... Uh, little rabbit trail there. My point being on some of this used car discussion is the repo market is absolutely going to ramp up the next six months to a year, even along with some of the uh, inflation or interest rates as they continue to go up to halt inflation is the theory, obviously. We are going to see a lot of used cars, used equipment, used uh, everything that people financed through the last two years start to pop back up. 
and a lot of new or very low miles or low hours items are going to be on sale. Now, I'm starting to see some of those. I pay quite a bit of attention to a lot of different markets. I've got some dear friends that have uh, quite a bit of involvement in the trailer side of the world, you know, utility trailers, box trailers. And I'm already starting to see quite a bit more repos show up on their lot than I have seen over the last two or three years. And the prices are starting to come back down. They drastically, and I mean overinflated a lot of that stuff just because everybody was FOMOing in there, the fear of missing out. And they, you know, snapped up the cars, they snapped up equipment. If you needed a tractor there for a while or a skid steer, holy cow, you couldn't get one. The used ones were selling more than the new ones. Well, the repos are coming in and all that, there is an ebb and flow to everything. So be careful and be a conscientious uh, consumer, regardless of what you're buying, If you can save many thousands of dollars buying something that was previously owned, I don't see why you don't do that. I know that's kind of my game. I do want to buy one new pickup, and I will at some point in time. But um, to this point right now, if I can get a smoking deal on something used, pre-owned, or God forbid something that has a mechanical issue that I can snatch up real easy, I'm definitely going to. What does this mean from a consumer side of it? Well, the people that could hold out the last couple of years and didn't have to buy a car, the sales are on their way. So being very methodical and not emotional in those decisions is extremely important. Just because it's shiny and new does not, or shiny and new or shiny and pre-owned, I guess, does not mean that you just, you know, go in there head over heels because you will buy a problem. So some of these cars that are low miles, I've seen them come into the shop that have had zero to no preventative maintenance done. And what does that mean? Well, I see them from time to time where people buy them. They drive thirty or 40,000 miles without changing or even checking the oil, regardless of any other systems on there. And then you buy it thinking, oh, I got this low miles, blah, 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 and it has a catastrophic failure. Well, you need to be very, very careful. With today's day and age on the Internet, um, most of these have a little bit of repair maintenance history through Carfax. When you come into our facility and we do a service for you, it will be logged to Carfax so you don't have to be the one that maintains your maintenance history. It's out there on the old interwebs, and you want to make sure that if you're purchasing something, try and make sure that, you know, it has had at least a little care done to it. You know, if somebody, the you know, the Challenger and Charger, the Hellcats, all those uh, Dodge products, and, and you could say the same thing about um, GM and the Camaro or the Ford and the Mustang. A lot of people bought those and they drive the living tar out of these things very aggressively. And you think, oh, it's got thirty or 40,000 miles on it. And then you end up with all the devastation or all the poor choices that somebody made previously from drag racing them, for over revving them, for just, I mean, running those cars to death. And then you as a consumer for a daily driver buy these cars, and you're like, man, why is all this stuff breaking? 
Well, it's because of the indiscretions of the first 30 or 40,000 miles that somebody owned those vehicles. As well as if you do end up buying a brand new vehicle, the very first kind of run through of maintenance and how that car or truck, van, SUV was taken care of really sets the tone for the longevity of that vehicle. So if you get one and you change the oil, which is great, you do the transmission fluid, you do the differential fluids, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The first break-in fluid that you get out of there really has a lot of impurities in there that you shouldn't leave in there longer than you have to. So when you do a gear set on a differential, for instance, those wear into each other. So there are fine particles that get pulled off and are suspended in the fluid that are continuously running and degrading those components because there is a material in there as it runs through the mesh, it wears things down. So back in the day, General Motors, for about two years, wanted you to do a differential service, if I remember right, at 10,000 miles. And the the life expectancy of those differentials went up drastically. I don't want to say tenfold, but if I had to make a guess, I'd say significantly more than just running it to 30 or 40 or 100,000 or till it breaks and servicing that fluid to get that break-in material out of the system. I hope everybody's kind of tracking with me, and I hope I'm making good sense. And so they did that for a couple of years, and they actually went away and did away with it because the consumer outcry is, hey, this is a new truck. Why am I being charged to service these fluids? And GM finally figured out that, hey, if you don't service them, it's no skin off their nose. It'll make it out of warranty. And then the customer has to fix it under customer pay afterwards. So it really didn't hurt GM. They got sick of hearing all the negative feedback that, hey, why do I have to do this service? It's a brand new truck. Well, really, it was in your best interest that GM put that out there. And it was in GM's best interest to not do it and then just charge you to fix it after it breaks. Now, that same lesson is out there today. They're moving the intervals out of the preventative maintenance or the cost of ownership is really how you should look at it from a consumer side. They're pushing those intervals way, way, way out. And they're not, they're not suffering any consequences with the exception that when it does break and it's catastrophic failure, they just sell you a new car because you're there at the dealership where hopefully they have some inventory and they just move you into a new car instead of fixing something that could have been prevented. I hope I made that point clear. And really, this is for your best interest instead of a shop or a dealership. But we need to step into one more break. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back. Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. As we go into, I guess, our final segment here, I want to talk a little bit about EV or electric vehicles. And I'm paying real close attention to the EV market. Sarah, could you ever see yourself? No. No, you're just going to flat out. <laughs> no, I, let me tell it. you, my lifestyle, it does not, I don't have time for that. Yeah. I live out in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I actually read a story. I wish I had it in front of me, mm-hmm. but it was a... A Virginia radio show host who had to cancel his Christmas Day plans because of the freezing weather. His vehicle wouldn't charge and he charged it. It was at like 43 percent. And then 
after he charged it for like two hours, the battery life had went down because of the cold. Oh and my. then he went to another charging station and his vehicle like died there because it just kept getting colder Holy and it was crap. sucking the life out of it. I so, hadn't heard all that yet. Yeah, it was a Fox business. I'll link it in the podcast ah. notes. But yeah, I was like, whoa, no thank you. So at some point, obviously, as a company, we're going to have to get prepared. Most of that stuff is so experimental at this point, you're locked into the dealership. They're the only person that, A, can service it. And really, they're still beta testing a lot of that on you as a consumer, which I know I get heated about quite often. It it irritates me a little bit. I understand why they do it. It doesn't make it right, in my humble opinion. But you're essentially signing on the dotted line. And sometimes there are, you know, enough benefits that, you know, I know when the Prius first came out, it was almost like they were paying you to own it by the time you got all the rebates and all the tax credits and different things. It was almost, you know, so minute for you to own it and deal with the hassles and allow them to learn what the shortcomings of that system were, which I'll be honest, the Prius has really probably been one of the best examples. Now, that's not all the EV. I think they do have an EV model now, but they were more of a hybrid or, or are a hybrid. And I've used them and, and uh, rented them as a rental car, not by choice, but that's all they had. And the last one that I was in, it was many years ago, it was down in, uh, I think we were in Tucson, Arizona for a class that we were down there for a full week on. And I joked that, hey, yeah, that's what we would get is a Prius. Now, we did drive that quite a bit. I was down there with some colleagues, and uh, we learned a tremendous amount down there for the week. But on our off time, we would see a little bit of Tucson. And we drove that all week on $19 and some change. It was basically 20 bucks. But we had the electric motor as a backup, so it really wasn't a big deal. The air conditioner still ran, etc. We didn't have to sit at a charging station and wait. The reason I bring all this up is it dovetails kind of into that repo discussion we were having. The EV 2022 sales were so poor with most manufacturers that they're pushing out some big rebates. I'm gonna and and I'm and I'm not a fan nor am I an antagonist of Tesla. I kind of just try and pay attention and be informed. Tesla is putting out a seventy five hundred dollar rebate if you buy one of their vehicles. Now, would I ever own one? You know, I want to say maybe I would at some point in time. Is now the time? Not really, in my opinion, because there's still so many engineered flaws. The technology has not really kept up with it being a sustainable, reliable uh, transportation. Now, if there's one of you out there that has a, I don't care whether it's a Tesla or the Ford Lightning or whoever's the, the Hummer H, whatever it is that they've got out, it's just not practical for most at least my lifestyle. I won't even put myself in most. I'm probably a minority at this point as far as, you know, what I do with the vehicle. I work my vehicles pretty hard, um, whether it's hauling or towing or, you know, off-road out in the pasture, or, you know, whatever the case may be, they are performing and I have to have that. I cannot give that up. Would it be nice to have a little kind of grocery getter that really didn't cost a whole lot to run? Sure, that'd be great. Um, but it's not really going to fit my lifestyle at this point in time. And I find it interesting more than I do practical. 
and I'm a very practical person. I want capability out of my vehicles. I want to be able to hook a trailer to it and tow a significant amount of weight for a significant distance dependably. I also want, if the roads get crappy out, I want them to be able to perform well. And to Sarah's point, if the weather gets cold, I sure as heck don't want to be stranded at one of those charging stations because the battery can't maintain a good operating temperature. So, like I said, most of this comes down to the technology, and it's a sign, is what I'm using it for, that the repo market, the EV market, they're all struggling at this point. So, typically, when they do that, they are not being able to sell them over MSRP like they have the last couple of years, which is good for you and I. So, even if you're in the electric vehicle market, you're in the used car market, the new car market, be patient. The deals are coming. The repo market is going to set the tone as well as as you drag down the used car prices because everything is flooded with inventory. You're going to start hopefully seeing some deals come out on the new car prices. I can remember 0% financing, huge rebates when you bought new vehicles. Like back in the day, there was a an incentive, a significant incentive to own a new car, truck, van, SUV, whatever floats your boat. Heck, there's going to be deals on boats out there, and I'm not a boat guy. A boat, in my opinion, and I've owned several boats over the years, they are a hole in the water to throw money. They are fun, but my goodness, that's an expensive hobby. But I digress. The deals are coming. If you have a little dry powder, and figuratively, basically you got a good credit score or you got a little money put back and you need to get into a vehicle, a piece of equipment, a trailer, any of those big ticket items that, you know, at least I have the last couple of years been like, there's no way I'm paying that kind of money for blah, blah, blah. It's absurd. Well, now it may not be so absurd. It may be to the point where it's like, hey. You know, that's a third or, or half what it was selling for, and it's a year old. Well, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that gets my uh, interest up. It's like, yeah, I need a good deal on blah, blah, blah. That's what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to get real emotional and be like, oh, my God, I got to have one or I'm not going to ever get one. You know, that fear of missing out has been such a driving force, whether it was buying a home or a used car or whatever the case may be. Here's where I see the flip side of that. I see you folks come in and you bought this this vehicle without having it looked at or or at least the due diligence on the front side. And then we got to start having some tough discussions that I don't enjoy at all. I don't like, you know, having to set somebody down that has spent all of their hard-earned money buying the vehicle, paying the sales tax, hopefully putting a decent down payment or buying it outright and saying, "Hey, you got a fairly substantial amount of um, you know, expense in order to make this vehicle good, dependable, and get, you know, good use out of it long-term or even short-term sometimes. The one that I remember the most, it was uh, some folks had drove up from Branson. They had bought a European import vehicle, which is something I do not recommend. And before they even left the meeting spot, they met at a general location. It was at a gas station close to our Fort and Sunshine shop. It had a huge fuel leak. Well, they had already paid the guy. The guy left the title and had already, you know, beat feet or left town, if you will, and wouldn't answer his phone. And they couldn't even drive this car back to Branson. And they had already forked out all this money. He was basically a scammer. So don't be the person that gets scammed out there. 
And it's not always not that, hey, I, I should have known, blah, blah, blah. These cars are so intricate and and so technolo- technologically advanced that if you don't have equipment and skilled hands to run that equipment, you're not going to be able to know what's wrong with it. So we time flies, Sarah. Yeah, it really does. We're already done. I know. I can't believe it either. Yeah. Well, if you are out there in Radio Land and you have a question or a comment for me or Dustin, you can shoot us a text on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743, or you can reach out to us on our social media. That is at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Be safe out there. Bye.